You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Back to the World Football Program, Saturday morning, May the 2nd. Getting pretty close to Mother's Day, actually. It I'm is, pretty excited about that. I'm not sure what that's got to mean for me. My child's not out of bed yet, so she can't hear me say it's Mother's Day soon, child. <laughs> and it's going to be a problem for all the fathers that normally just rely on their kids making stuff in school and the kids have been home. So the fathers, if you're listening, um, you're going to have to actually <laughs> get, get the macaroni and the glue out yourself <laughs> this year. Welcome, everyone. This is the World Football Program. We're here until noon today. This is Penn and Pete in the studio. Good morning, Pete. Morning, Penn. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling sleepy. I wish my daughter and I had changed places. <laughs> Work is so crazy busy. Thank you, everybody out there, for supporting and buying gate and fence <laughs> hardware. <laughs> so, yep, yeah, my family's been doing overtime, and uh, my daughter's been sleeping in till lunchtime and then getting oh, up and homeschooling. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Actually, she's crazy. She's, um, like, Mum, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to school as soon as I can get back to school now. I'm like, that's what I want to hear, darling. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a mixed bag across the whole community at the moment. There's some schools that are saying only essential uh, parents with uh, working in essential services can yep. send their kids back. Um, public schools are 60 to 80% across the nation sending their kids back. Um, some parents are cautious and not sending yep. their kids back. It's... You know, we're in that mixed place. And then, of course, some great annou- announcements last night. The NRL team is sending a team to Australia. They're going into quarantine. Yep, but the, the, the New Zealand team. Yep, sorry. The Warriors. Uh, yep, that's right. So the doors are opening, rolling back the restrictions. Um, I think uh, they said... Slowly but surely. Yeah. yeah. So they said in, in the last 24 hours, this is the government, of course, up to 10 people can be in the same space together now. So yep. we can have our backyard barbecues as long as there's four metres squares <laughs> per person. 
as if that's going to happen. I'm yeah, not quite exactly, sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sorry, my my passageway is not four meters square or linear, whatever that needs to be. When you have to go to the fridge to get a beer and back to the barbie again, it just I don't. I don't see you getting many beers from the fridge. No, no, yeah. no, not at all. Orange juices Orange and juice. cold water. G- yeah. Ginger ale. Yeah. No, not even that. No? No, not even that. I'm, I'm a strict cup of tea, cup of coffee, orange juice and water girl. Okay. Yep, definitely. So we'll see what this means for the coming week or two. Um, Football West did say May 31 was the target date, but yep. we've just ticked over into May and things are starting to roll back. So don't all hit the soccer parks, everyone. <laughs> not yet, yes. okay? Wait for the announcements from your club and association because there will be things like there would have been rescindances of contracts for parks and all kinds of things. Um, Money would not have got paid for use of different grounds, so they'll have to renegotiate things. There's all these kind of things now that will need to start kicking back in. I'm sure once the announcements are made, the clubs will start making those negotiations and putting the agreements in place again pronto. I think not not specific to football, but just life in general. I think the lawyers are going to be rubbing their hands because they're going to have a lot of work to do over the next few years to uh, sort out all the messes that have yes. popped up as a result of this. Yes, yep. And there'll be a lot of uh, banking terms and conditions and insurance fine prints that will change and um, maybe we won't, we won't know about it, but it'll just cover their bums just a little bit more over the next couple of years or lifetime or whatever. Yep. And but the, the A-League is even tentatively set for a restart. We're hoping that's... Yes. So I'm not quite kind of sure how that's going to go when I think four out of the ten clubs, including the Glory, released all their players. Um, and now we were told, you know, August 1st, it's supposed to all restart. Um are those players going to be eager to come back? Are they going to be annoyed at having been, you know, put on ice, so to speak? Um, well, I've heard some interesting discussions about sports people and how the break has meant the league, sporting leagues have stopped. I'm not just talking football. So the sporting leagues have stopped, so yep. income has stopped. Yep. So when it restarts, where do they get the income from? Do they have it in a big fat bank account? Is it underneath a mattress in a big wad? I, d- I doubt it. So there's players have gone, well, okay, um, we don't get an income at the moment or you, you've reduced our income, but I've got an offer from another league somewhere else yeah. and they want to yeah. pay me more and I have to support my family, so I'm going. Yeah. And I, I feel this is where Fox were coming from in their contract. I feel from both parties, if there is no league for them to promote and get money from um, with airtime, then there's no contract. Um, well, speaking of which, Fox yep. last night apparently did come through with their, their quarterly payment for the A-League, so that had been delayed and we were sort of everyone was umming and ahhing about it. So that's good news as well for the A-League. Absolutely. It's fantastic news. We just need to get an A-League going and we'll talk more about that. Yep. Um, when we have a chat to Simon Hill later. The guest on the show today, we're talking to the acting COO of Football West, that's Chief Operations Officer Jamie Harnwell. We'll have a chat to Brett Klicksnick, uh, who's on the Football Hall of Fame now and Dream Teams have been running rife across social pages at the moment for men and women. We're going to have a chat to Frank Cutts, who's a winner of the Rothmans Medal. Actually, I'm not sure if it's Rothmans Medal or Rothmans Award. I think there was actually two I different names over different years. I even tried to Google it, but, but apparently it's a very, very big award in rugby league and you can't Google it without just getting heaps of rugby league hits. 
So Okay, and we had one in football named the same thing. Yes, but only, I think, for a short time. Yeah, I think it was maybe one or two years, actually. Yeah. Hmm. We'll talk more to Frank about that. We're going to have a chat to local twins, the Greenie girls, Charlotte and Danielle, about life without football and what they've been up to, and Simon Hill, Fox Sports. If you want to land some comments on our Facebook page, you can go to the World Football Program 107.9 FM group and land some comments there. We are going to go to a short break and come back and have a chat with Jamie Harnwell. Thanks for listening in, everyone. We do appreciate it very much. This is Pete and Penn. 107.9 FM, your local station. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. We are one. But we are many And from all the land We share a dream And sing with one voice I am, you are We are Australian We are Welcome back to the World Football Program. I think that's one of the most iconic Australian songs and it says Australia and yep. community. Yep. I like that. Good morning, Jamie Harnwell. How are you? Good, thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining us on the program today. I was saying earlier that I'm really busy at work and I'm just exceptionally tired because of that. How's it been for you in the COO position at Football West and, and what this period has meant for you? Yeah, it's uh, very similar. Um, it's, been, it's been extremely busy. It's been um, stressful, as a lot of businesses uh, will, will strongly attest to. It's um, it's been a challenge, but um, just happy to you know to be trying to work towards uh, the, the sport resuming and um, trying to make sure there's a football west out the other side. So the restrictions are getting rolled back. Australia's done an absolutely awesome job of doing things right, so we're being rewarded with. Um, little messages that say before May 31, which was our expected review date, so to speak, that we might start earlier than that. What's the word on that? Yeah, look, we've um, gone in line with what uh, the, the state government recommendations are and 
and uh, put out a, a statement last night just regarding modified football activities that um, you know we are starting to allow those to occur from Monday, um, which is obviously a huge step forward for, for I suppose, the physical and mental well-being of, of all of our stakeholders and participants. Um, I think it, it's worth noting that this isn't a, a return to structured training. Um, it's not a return to getting ready for any competition. That's you know that's still a, a little way, some way off at the moment. It's just about getting outside, having a kick about. Um, I've been able to enjoy starting to, to do that again, thanks to the great work that's been done over here in, in WA. That's a really important statement that you just made there, that we can get outside and have a kick about, but it's not a return to structured yeah. Yeah. football. So everybody out there across football in WA who's the 35,000 people membership to Western Australian football, it's not a get back to training on Tuesday night <coughs> that the lights will start up and the grounds are ready to rock and roll. Don't do it. Not just yet. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a fair bit of work that has to be done across that. Um, you know, but it's a it's a positive sign. Um, it's a it's a sign for clubs to to start re-engaging, to start looking at uh, what things may be in the future. But we we know that yeah, there's a lot of work to be done with with local governments, um, with clubs, with with a lot of different angles before we get anywhere near that uh, sort of proper structured training um and you know the, the kickabouts are, again we're making sure we're adhering to the government guidelines that the social distancing um you know like it's 1.5 meters apart or four squared meters um all those types of things just to make sure that any uh anything we do do stays in line with what the state government wants us to do and we want to keep rolling restrictions back and not have them forced back on us so just really asking the, the football public to, to pay attention and to, to do the right thing yep it is very important, isn't it, that we do the do the right thing and don't go, yeehaw, it, it's all over, let's just get back to life as normal because this is a new normal for us. We've got to ease back into it to make sure that what some people are terming as the second wave uh, doesn't come in terms of any possibilities out there that anyone could carry the virus or get the virus is not... Um, put into an intense situation of all of the sport and all of the retail and all the schools going back at the same time and giving the virus the opportunity to do its thing. So rolling back slowly is our way of, the community's way of monitoring that. So yeah. we've got to, you know, you know, the football passion that runs hot in all of us, <laughs> we've just got to like contain that for just a little bit longer and go, okay, we're doing the right thing. Easy, easy does it. So uh, I know that uh, with my club, we've got... Um, I don't know, probably 1,500 members or so. They're all raring to go. I, I know it. Um, but a human nature is that, Jamie, we don't. We haven't had football for what, four, five, six weeks. Yeah. It's actually really hard. We can't watch our local football. We can't go and watch a game. We can't um, go and participate in a game. Um, and we want to get back to it. And what does that look like, Jamie? What does it look like from Football West point of view from this moment on? What's the process, that we, the steps that we have to go to to get to playing back as normal? Look, we'll be uh, we'll be continuing to take advice from FFA and the and the relevant government legislation, and that's really uh, going to be key, I suppose, as the the state government starts to wind back restrictions further. Um, we'll obviously be be working with them very closely. Uh, the, the national principles were released by the Prime Minister yesterday, and and um, they're revisiting them again next Friday uh, at a national cabinet meeting. So, yeah, it's going to be a very slow and staged process. Um, you know, the, the, the ban on, on sort of tr proper structured training and games is still in place until May 31. That hasn't been revisited um, and probably won't be, you know, 
any time too soon. We just, as you said, we need to make sure that this is this has been beaten um, before we do return to you know full contact training. And once once we can do that, then the, the games. But it's certainly going to be different from what we are used to. Um, but it will still be football, and I think that's the the big takeaway message is that regardless of what it does look like, it'll still be a round ball. There'll still be, still be goals and and people run around enjoying themselves. Absolutely. So it'll still be football. It'll be contactless. There'll be space between us it'll be really difficult because we all know once a lot of humans get into a space that they all enjoy they want to go up and give themselves high fives and Mm. you know push each other around and do the rough and tumble and do exercises together excuse me you know lean on each other's shoulders and push each other you know all those kind of things that come with social engagement so may 31 that date we have to keep in mind that that's when games could possibly resume, but that's a review process. And as you say, it's got to be a stage one. Do all of the standing committees get together over the next week or two and with Football West and other sporting associations? And do they start looking at, okay, maybe we need to share some resources because it looks like the summer sports might have to have shorter seasons so that we can have a bit of a longer season than maybe a few months. And then how does that knock on to 2021? Do we have those kind of discussions happening where there are some guidelines after May 31 that this is what your season might look like and it might go into a different period than what we're used to and um, these are the resources that we need and this is what you should keep your eye out for. Or maybe even a shorter season or so forth. Hmm. Yeah, look, those those discussions are ongoing. Our standing committees are are becoming active again and and a number of meetings over the next uh, couple of weeks with with all of them um, across, you know, what, what the competitions will look like. We've obviously done a scenario planning internally and um, got an idea of what a uh, you know a viable season I suppose uh, in many ways would look like we've also been in discussions with the other sports um, especially you know the summer codes as well about the the overlap um, and there's always been some uh, tension I suppose between those in, in normal times um, but it's been great to have some really open uh, and honest conversations with those other sports about what that might mean and, and the flexibility and willingness of summer sports to work with us to to ensure that we can put on a season. Um, there's obviously then the, the ramifications, as you said, of bounce, you know, bouncing on to 2021, so we're very mindful that we don't want to shift, uh, say, cricket back two months and then they run into the first two months of our season next year. So it's a real balanced approach. Um, but, there's, look, there's a there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. We're a sport, obviously, that has promotion and relegation as well, so there's, there's implications across that. So... There's a, there's a lot of work to be done still, um, but it's great that we're, we're able to start having these conversations now. So how does Football West, the organisation itself, look at this moment? Um, you've been promoted into the acting COO position, which indicates that um, there's been some staff that are working from home or uh, gone into hibernation themselves <laughs> at the moment, and we're going to have to kick back in when football review happens or, or before that period ends and competition staff I think are probably the probably the, the biggest numbers required at Football West for the competitions if they kick back in with you know, 35,000 members. How's that looking for Football West? Yeah, it's, it's been a, a real tough time. Um, you know, we've had to, to go through and do workforce adjustments like any business affected by COVID at the moment, um, you know, with a combination of, of factors. Uh, but, we, you know, our, our staff are are very diligent. They're, you know, they're they're very um, passionate about what they do and um, doing a lot of cross training to ensure that everybody has got the skills to be able to assist anywhere across the business um, when we do restart. I think that's really a, a key thing is that 
perhaps in in the past we've got very um, delineated and you know everyone's had their, their little small patch that they're very proud of and but no one else still has to touch it so it's been a, a good reset in that uh, that regard and again it comes back just to the principle that, that we're all football um, and there's no difference between a competition or a coaching course or refereeing or whatever it might be it all adds together to make up this uh, this game that we all love so it's uh, it's going to be a busy time in the next couple of weeks as we start to firm up on any dates and obviously we'll have to look at that and, and the resources that we're going to need to restart you know those those 40 thousand participants um, to get them registered to get them into teams to get them into competitions so there's a there's a lot of work to be done but I've got no doubt that uh, if people will be working with a smile on their face when uh, when we finally do get to do that, even if it does mean long hours. Well, that's it. Hopefully, if it's what they love to do, they'll want to come back to doing what they love to do. But uh, there'll be some long hours and lots of overtime, I would imagine, in a short mm. space of time to get action stations happening. <laughs> so and it's it- not just the sorry, not just the football staff either. And we've got to remember all the volunteers. Um, yeah. as well and, and they're going to be so crucial for us so they've done a great job in, in staying engaged with their clubs and their, their members so far um, and we recognise that there's going to be a, a big workload on clubs as well and, and we want to do everything we can to try and uh, relieve that workload as best we can. Absolutely spot on there and I think Jamie that that is the crux of Australian football and community is that we rely so much on volunteers yep. And that volunteers will go back into their own households and their own jobs or whatever it is, and do what they need to do. Then they'll come back and they just put that dedicate that time back into the sport as they need to, and because they can, because there's no contracts, there's no agreements. They just do it because they love it. All the kids are there, and if the kids aren't there, they go into other parts of their life, and then they just step back in again. And that's what's going to keep us going. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we've got the likes of yourself dedicated to football, working at Football West, and um, whatever other staff are still working there, but. Unless you can contact club administrators and find out who is still going to want to play football and get them to organise their grounds and ensure that their resources are available, then the competition won't restart again. And that's one hell of a lot of volunteers out there ready to step back in. Yeah. Bring it on, Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jamie, before we let you go, the Dream Team Project has been running hot the last couple of weeks across social mediums. I know that Hall of Fame... Uh, well, they've got their one, two, three men's teams running in different uh, eras from 1901 or 1902. I can't remember the exact date. And then the women's team from 72 onwards. Uh, women's football started uh, a bit later. Uh, how does that tie in with where Football West are running their uh, best of WA players? Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic initiative. Um, something we should be, be really proud of. I don't think uh, as a sport, we've probably reflected enough and, and well enough upon our history and uh, you know how long this, this game has been around in, in WA. So we've had uh, some really really strong responses across uh, across all the teams. We've had some you know obviously we've had some fantastic fantastic players uh, grace the state team jersey over a long period of time. So it's uh, it's all coming to a head very soon. I think applications close next week or nominations, I should say. Um, which case is going to be a very, very difficult case to to judge and to select, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to reviewing all of the applications and and rolling back through the years, I suppose, because looking at some of the names I remember from when I was younger, um, and having been told about others by by my dad, by other football people as well. So um, that's a, it's a part of the job that I'm really looking forward to. 
Yes, and I think it's good that in this period of football hibernation, so to speak, we can reflect on other things that are just as important but don't get the same profile because um, when you're playing football, um, the passion for playing football and the administration thereof kind of takes precedence and the other things get put to the side. But here we are, we're still talking football and we're talking about history and um, how things that have made us tick and the things that have made us the football um, you know, environment that we are today are coming to the fore, which is fantastic. And we've got Simon Hill on um, from Fox Sports later and I know that in the last couple of years, couple of years he's been... Uh, part of the, I think it's called the Football Heritage Committee, where they recognise football history across Australia for, I think, I'm not sure if it's for Football Federation Australia or um, he's, they they just kind of liaise with Football Federation Australia, but um, Richard Crider's also been part of the uh, history of football with Andrew Howe from um, FFA and does a bit of work for Fox Sports as well. So there's been some uh, high-profile people and some state-based people who have kind of engaged in that in the last few years, which is fantastic. And there's been some good books come out. I mean, Richard's Paddock to Pitches, Richard Quiet, I'm talking about Paddock's to Pitches. Andrew Howe brought out the... um, Socceroos and the and the Matildas encyclopedias with yep. um, Greg uh, Warner and so on and so on and here we are talking about it which is fantastic uh, and I should note too there's been some qualifications on that Jamie um, with <laughs> the <laughs> with the Hall of uh, Fame we had to kind of say why didn't we include Trent Sainsbury and uh, Sam Kerr in some of the teams because we're talking about state based competition and football uh, kind of went through the period of. I don't know, professionalising, so to speak, when it went through the Perth glory and um, period. So when young players were identified, they kind of missed the state team programs and went straight into semi-professional or professional football and that kind of disqualified them from state teams. So everybody out there who's given us feedback, <laughs> why, why isn't there some of those really great players involved? It's because of that, Jamie. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> it, it, look, it is. Um, but we did really want to make sure we recognise the, uh, you know, the performance of the, the Goldfields WA state teams. I think you'll find that uh, Sammy played uh, for uh, state teams as a junior. Um, yep. And I'm pretty sure Tain- Trent Sainsbury did as well. So that yes. was part of the thinking to um, to do that because we know we've, you know, with the junior teams, we've had some great players develop and leave before. Um, you know, they were eligible to play for the state team, as you said, with the with the Perth Glory now as a professional ranks. You know, they may miss that out. So it, it was an opportunity to... Yeah, to, to recognise the the production talent of talent that we've had in WA as well as also the, the finished articles in the in the senior women's and men's team. <laughs> finished articles, yeah. <laughs> okay, and a couple of things we got to mention before we let you go. Uh, the esports, how's that going? Yeah, that's been fantastic. Um, I'm still trying to get my head around it. I'm <laughs> getting some lessons by my ten year old boy about uh, <laughs> exactly how it's run and what the twitch is and all these different things. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been really good. We've had a, a good response from the clubs. It's been great to see so many regional players getting involved as well, and it, it's something we're really keen to continue on past this and try and you know link the the participants up with the with the clubs and try and encourage them not just to to do the e gaming, but what it'd be like coming out and actually having a kick and, and having a run around as well. So there's some, I think some really exciting things that we can be doing in that space in the near future. Is Jamie, do you have criteria for the e series that you have to be registered with a club? to participate in the E-Series? Because I noticed looking uh, at the I list of players, they are all sort of do seem to have an associated club, you know, Auburn Grove, Mandurah City, Sorrento, etc. Is that yeah, actually look, a rule? Yeah, um, look, I don't believe it is a rule. I okay. think it's just the, you know, the people we've been able to engage are those who are already linked with a club. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly something we'd, yeah, we'd like to 
you know, have an, an MPLE league, for, for instance, and, and get things like that going. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of lot of work to be done. It was it was just fun to try and keep engaged, with, especially the, the younger uh, demographics of uh, of us in, in such a difficult time. So it's uh, it's been yeah incredibly successful. And as I said, we'll, we'll be working on some some new things and uh, continue this uh, once we can get outside again and do it properly. Anyway, awesome. Do you have to register, as in pay to register to be a part of it, or is it um, like if you're part of a club that you're um, unable to play? I think the first couple we've just put on, um, just as a, you know, it's something that to, to, for the community, something that uh, we feel we should be doing to make sure people can be engaged. Certainly, um, through our research, we, we've seen that there is, you know, proper competitions, if you like, and, and registrations overseas, um, potential prize monies and things like that. So they're all options that we're looking at and considering um, of, of what we do moving forward because, yeah, it's, it's, it's I suppose it hasn't surprised us, but it's been really pleasing to see how well it's been received. Can you give us an idea of the demographic? Like, has it been more of the junior kids, like high school age, or like the numbers involved? Yeah, certainly uh, the high school age has been been pretty uh, popular. Um, some of the younger ones that run rings around me on the PlayStation 4 as well, so <laughs> age certainly isn't a barrier. Um, but I think common sense tells us that, uh, yeah, those, those teenage years are certainly a, a strong point of that. But, um, you know... Moving forwards again, we'll, we'll look at what uh, what the responses have been like and whether we do have junior leagues, senior leagues or open or whatever they may be, um, yeah, still to be discussed. Okay, and uh, the podcast, the football podcast has been running for uh, a few weeks now. Tell us, uh, tell us about that. Yeah, the Western End, um, which I thought was quite a catchy title that we, we managed to yeah. come up to. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been good fun. It's been yeah, driven internally um, by a couple of officers, one... You know, Josh uh, Chiat out at uh, Kalgoorlie, who's one of our DOs out there. So it's been great to have, uh, you know, engaged across all of our staff across Western Australia. And, um, you know, it's probably a dodgy first episode with myself and Gareth Naben having a chat. But, uh, you know, some, some really high-quality uh, chats after that. Paul O'Con, um, Melbourne Victory coach Carlos, and I always pronounce his last name wrong, so I'm not going to try and say it now. Um, but some really interesting guests and good discussions and and again that's something we'll be keeping on going and and doing moving forwards because it is a i think it's a real value now in in that and we've certainly seen a number of different uh, podcasts and webinars and things like that coming up and the convenience of listening to it in your car or watching something at home uh in the of an evening is is pretty good so uh been again been really pleased with how that's turned out and i have to ask personally what do you think about the movement worldwide, it's a slow movement, but it's a movement about um, reduction in juniors heading the ball across various associations. Yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly no medical expert. Um, I certainly did my fair share of heading as a, as a junior and as a senior as well. So, look, uh, as far as I'm aware and, and what we're going off, there, there hasn't been any definitive research done um, to link up the two um there's certainly common sense measures i think and um you know forcing children to head a ball when they're not ready to or they're not confident to is is something that we would absolutely you know that i would absolutely not encourage um but there's also you know it's the differences in the in the type of ball that's being used now as opposed to 40 years ago where yeah. you know it was old leather with laces when it got wet it'd weigh a kilo or two and you know that was obviously a, a big contributing factor i would have thought so it's uh I hope it's a common sense approach. As I said, I, I, yeah, I don't encourage coaches to 
throw the ball at a kid's head and, and get them to head the ball when they're not <laughs> ready to or at a young age. Um, but until, yeah, we receive more advice from, from FIFA or FFA and we wouldn't uh, necessarily put anything in writing about it. Yeah, I think you made some pretty valid points there. The type of football that was used many decades ago is certainly different to the, uh, well, the synthetic balls that we use nowadays. Um, I remember some of those balls when I started playing football. They were kind of in the period between um, the old clunkers to the synthetics and they were slimy, synthetic, leather look-alike <laughs> things and they were <laughs> awful to pick up after it had been raining and try and kick. And, and then the plastic, so to speak, ones came out and I thought... Oh, they're all right. They're, they're yeah. soft and they're, yeah. and to touch, and I can grab them and pretty cool. But um, also the differences between um, female physique and uh, um, man's physique and how they head the ball, like structurally, I think we possibly need to have a look at that. But the other thing is, it takes decades to figure out the link between the two and the damage that has been done and we probably need to have a look at that over a long period of time with the transition of those balls. balls. So you're you're talking more like 20, 30 years in the future from now to see if there's still some sort of... Maybe, but Link. kids start playing football so darn young, yeah. but, you know, five, six, seven, eight, by the time they're physically mature, they'll be hitting the ball into their teens easily. So if they've been playing since they've been aged 12, 13, 14, and then 10 years on, they're yeah. hitting the ball. And like Jamie, they're a strong header of the ball. They've been doing it consistently. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, dementia is one of those things that people are concerned about. Mm. Um, but, I mean, uh, what I'm getting at is that only tends to manifest by the time they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s. Yep. So that's, you know, we yes. still have to look a long way down the track. Yep. Um, personally, I'd be interested to see what football would be like without heading. And and I'd maybe be willing to go along with it. I mean, it would be a new structure to the game. Um, obviously, whipping a corner across the, the face of the goals would no longer be a thing. But Overhead scissors kicks might come more into that's play. That's right, and then they'd have to ban that because <laughs> necks get broken when people <laughs> land upside down. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you do an overhead scissors kick, Jamie. <laughs> Is that in your repertoire? Oh, I think I remember one once about 20 years ago. That was about it. I think everyone tries it once, but not many people do them a second time. I did it once. Exactly. I, d- I did it once, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, that worked. <laughs> Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today. And it's great that we're able to bring some positive news. Things have moved along in the world yep. of COVID-19. And, you know, we, we said May 31 and... Everything's been going well to get back or get to that point. So, you know, we predicted well. The community predicted well. Football West predicted well. And yep. we've done all the right things. So that, that's a great move. It's well done, everyone. Appreci- yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, look forward to getting back out of the park sometime soon. Yes, appreciate yeah. your time today. Have a great weekend. Thanks very much. See ya. See ya. And look after your mum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of the um, the E League, probably mm-hmm. uh, E Series, we just give out our congratulations across the division. So yep. in the junior PS4s, congratulations to not Daniel Longley from Auburn Grove United who won the won the title there. Uh, in the junior Xbox, congratulations to Inbred FIFA <laughs> from South Perth United. Uh, in the senior PS4, congratulations to Galazio Perth from Murdoch University, Melville. Sweet. Who, I'm not sure if you knew nope. your team was represented there. Nope. And in the Xbox senior, congratulations to Magnum BP from Perth AFC. Yeah. So, like I say, all the all the players do represent a club or do you know have a club have that they seem to be associated yep. with. Um, and it might not be a bad idea, even if it was something like a you know once you're a registered junior, you automatically get an invite into these competitions. 
Yeah, I I feel that um, like Jamie, I'd need to get my daughter to kind of explain particular things to me <laughs> to participate in that, like how to, you know, f- do, do do fingers and, and knobs and things on a board, like f- yeah. whatever. Well, one, once these <laughs> restrictions get lifted, I can see the problem being trying to get the kids off, you know, back to the old, mm. back to last year's problem mm-hmm. of getting the kids off the PlayStation and actually out into the park. Yep, we adapt to whatever's there at the moment. <laughs> there's no football on the park, so there's so now yeah now the kids the have the excuse to play on the PlayStation, but um, we're going to have to chase them off once. And, and double whammy too in that regard. Schooling from home yep. has meant that they're in front of a screen anyway. And I know, I know, my daughter's not up, so I can say this right. <laughs> so Hi, that, Rose. I know that when she's supposed to be schooling from home and I might be at work that she's not been doing that online learning she's been uh, emailing her mates or skyping her mates and hang on minecraft as well I know I, I but I've done see, my homework mum I did see something about one kid that actually <laughs> took a screenshot of themselves studying and then just put that up on the um the school chat like the face group right so and then they could do whatever they wanted on the computer and as far as the teacher could see they were just sitting there studying so yeah um, yeah if, if there's a way around it they'll find it of course we'll go to a break and we'll come back and chat with brett Klicksnick from npl page hall of fame football swa and probably a lot more that's right he's been around a while and he's going to talk about the dream teams with us this is pen and pete on the world football program back shortly You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hi, I'm Rose, a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We are the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. Love that background music. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Pen and Pete on the World Football Program here until noon today. You can land your comments on the World Football Program Facebook page. And a big thank you to everybody that supports us. And it might just be in spirit at the moment. Yep. Because football isn't actually happening for all of our sponsors, but we do appreciate them regardless. And they are West Coast Futsal, especially Greg Farrell, who... 
um, comes on and has a chat on the program and all of competitions are of course suspended or in hibernation at the moment but thoughts out to the crew there they'll be up and running as soon as we are up and running with a normal 11 aside football Louis Prospero and Prosperity Strata Management Perth Glory Football Club Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Thank you, everybody who becomes a station member also and listens into the show. We do appreciate all of that support. Thank you, thank you. And on the line at the moment is Brett Klucksnick from NPL Page Hall of Fame Football West WA. Oh my God, there's more I know there is. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Dan and company. How are we all this morning? We're good, bouncing Beautiful. along. Lots to talk about, yeah. even though the competitions aren't happening, which is great. Yeah, Not yeah, yeah, but we had had some pretty exciting news overnight, though, didn't we? Yes, we did. It, it is. It's very exciting, and we were just saying with Jamie from Football West earlier that we shouldn't be yeah. that excited that we all go out and get our soccer balls and our mates and form a team and go and have a live inside at the local park. Yep. We not, shouldn't do that, but unless we have not, four not aside. Yet. Well, unless you Let's stay distance and just kick the ball back and forwards. Yeah. Penalty That's shootouts, right. maybe. <laughs> and don't tackle idea. each we other. We do it properly. <laughs> we do it properly and we do it reasonably, as we have been doing for the last how many weeks, months yep. it is. Yep. And... Um, Pretty soon we'll be back to comparative normality, shall we say. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, I'm calling it the new normal, whatever yep. that might be. Yep. Uh, yep. But I, I do like the fact that there's been some good transitions that I can see happening or going to happen, and one of them is that there'll be more people working together. And, and at the moment, the whole of Australia, well, the whole of the world really, is been wanting to work together uh, to... Let, let's just stay with the whole of Australia. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with that too. So we've been working together to um, achieve the same thing, which is no no COVID and to get back to our lives in whatever way works for us and yeah. we're doing it pretty darn well. And, you know, we predicted May 31 or football predicted May 31, we'd be back up and running or reviewing things and it looks like we're doing enough of the right things for that to happen. So yeah. at the moment, we can talk about dream teams and all this other kind of stuff, but uh, after then, it'll be back to talking about competitions. Yeah. More than yeah. just the Belarusian yeah. Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We will give you an update on that later on, folks. <laughs> A G-rated one. A G-rated right? one, yes. Yeah, good. I've been given warning about that. <laughs> Brett, we're going to talk about the Dream Team project that's happening at the moment. Um, just to clarify too, the Hall of Fame, the West Australian Hall of Fame has been putting together teams for different periods and the women's team and then Football West have been putting a word out to the community to get their thoughts on who should be involved with state teams. Um, tell us some interesting things that have come out, uh, or not interesting things, but t tell us about the, the Hall of Fame teams and how that might differ to the teams that Football West get together. Sure thing. Okay, so, so Football West have got um, all-time dream teams that are out there at the moment. People are being asked to nominate um, for one of four teams, nominate players and coaches for the team. There's the men's senior, men's uh, women's senior, and then there's a men's junior and a women's junior. And the intention of the Football West team is that um, the community nominate individuals who are uh, qualified, who have played for, in other words, those particular teams. So if a player such as Trent, Trent Sainsbury um, has played for the state junior team, he's eligible for that. But if he's not played for the state senior team, he's not eligible for that. Mm. Yeah. So that's the criteria. And, and from that criteria, the Hall of Fame have sort of gone, OK, well, let's uh, get on board with this and do some 
promoting and help work with Football West to get people engaged with this. And we've effectively taken the, the men's senior team and the women's team and we've put together a number of squads. Uh, the women's one, which Penny has coordinated with a number of uh, fairly prominent Matildas, shall we say? Fairly, yeah. Um, <laughs> fairly, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a, an, an all-time dream team that Penny has put together on behalf of the Hall of Fame um, covering the women's game from the early 70s right up to now. Now, the men's side of it is slightly different that the whole Hall of Fame have looked at and we've gone, OK, we're sort of spanning a period from 1902 to now. So to put together a team for that year, that, that period is quite difficult for us. Um, so we've sort of split the that time frame into three and we've put together a team for 1902 to 1960, um, which Richard Kreider has, has done. Uh, Mel Moffat has looked at the next area, which was 1960 to 1990, and he's put together a squad for that. And I've taken on the 1999 to the modern day, and I've put together a assembler squad. And all, all of our squads are 11 starting players, plus a coach, plus um, up to seven substitutes. I feel that and Richard over- had the biggest job there in the 1902 to 1960 period. I mean, that spans like almost 60 years. That's... Uh, yeah, yeah, decades of footballers who wouldn't ever have overlapped, but in your team and in Mel's team, the players would have overlapped. I, I feel he got a bit of a bum job there. To be fair, he's probably not going to get as many people arguing the point with him, but, you know, there's not that many people around today going, well, I remember back in the, you know, 1932 league, and you've got that bit wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah, look, look, I think you're right. Mel... Uh Sorry, Richard did have the, the trickier team, but when you look at some of the players that he had to look at, they effectively picked themselves in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because, I mean, we don't have a huge amount of records from that era, so mm. the, the, the players that are prominent are the players that are prominent. There may have been other players around that, that played at a very high level for a long time um, and made a few state appearances, but, but we don't know because the records don't exist anymore. Um, Can I say too, Brett, that just on that 1902 to 1960 team, um, going through those names, that like yeah. we, we recognise those names. I, I recognise those oh. names, and that some of them, I'm pretty sure they had parks named after them. Mm, yeah. And what is it in the water down near the Spearwood area? <laughs> I know they have a lot of market <laughs> gardens down there. Maybe that's something to do with production of good players. Well, that, that even continues all the way through to, to the, the squad that I put together because you look at some of the players there and you've, you've got, you know, many players came from that Spearwood Coburn area. Um, for some reason, a lot of them turned out to be goalkeepers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something in that. But, yeah, like you said, that that early era, that 1902 to 1960, you've got players in there like Ron Adair, who was the Australian captain. Yep. Um Con Persa, who played for Australia, Jack Conduit, whose goal-scoring record um, is astonishing. And if anyone actually wants to have a look at what that means, go back and have a look through the Hall of Fame site um, and you'll see what I mean in there. Um, there are some stunning players uh, who's, you know, Frank McShane, McShane, Harold Boyce, who was the first West Australian to play for Australia back in 1926, uh, I think it was. Um, Alan Beale? Yeah. Yep. Incredible, Alan Beale. Who in West Australian football has not heard that name? Well, you know? uh, are we talking? Um, hang on, is it Coburn Beale Park? Yeah, Beale Park is the yes, Coburn's ground. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. never going to be forgotten. Stunning, 
pretty stunning side that, that um, Richard's put together there. Um, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, so the, the qualities that make players great, we're not talking about just a length of time in the game or maybe representation. What are some of the qualities that um, outside of that would make a player great to us? Um, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember what football West criteria were specifically, but certainly things like you know leadership, on-field leadership is, is a big one. Integrity. Yep. Um, I'm sure you can rattle off a few more off, off the top of my head. I, I yep. don't. Yep. Uh, those are those are the, like prominence, yeah. leadership, integrity, all those kind of th- personal character and um, length yeah. in the game. Um, the st- status of the playing career, uh, where they got to, um, th- those things, and, and that kind of narrows down a whole field of players, I reckon. Um, and like we, you guys have done a fantastic job in getting those squads together because everybody recognises at least a handful out of all of those squads, and we could have probably picked five teams across each of those groups. Oh. Um, yeah. And could you imagine all those players in the park together? Would that be entertainment <laughs> oh, or what? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and when you say you guys have done a great job, you have too, too many because you were part of that. Thanks. Um, so, you know. Yep, had some good uh, backup in uh, Lisa Devana and Sandra Brent. No one, just a few odd yeah. players like that helping us out. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I'm not sure they'd like to be called odd players, would they? No, no, very, very, very good players. And uh, my role models too, by the way. So, I mean, the likes of Sandra Brenton, who I played with Sandra um, way back yeah. when I was a teenager in state teams and against her at club level. And, um, yeah, just a, an amazing player. Great person too um, when we're talking about integrity and leadership and things like that. And, and yeah. in, in my research to get this squad together, I spoke to I spoke to Lisa Devana. She's over in Italy at the moment in lockdown. <laughs> so we had uh, many late nights of conversing because of the time difference and <laughs> reminiscing about Western Waves and um, Colette McCullum, who would have been yeah. um, a teenager before Western Waves because there was national – talking about women specifically, there was national yep. championships, then there was a yep. little break, and then there was Western Waves – and Western Waves started competing in the National League and then they yep. became Perth Glory. So there was kind of transitions through there and a very young Lisa Devana and a very young Colette McCullum, I'm talking like 11, 12, 13 years old, were playing state teams and got picked up. I remember them both playing in a championship together and I was the sports trainer and one was left wing, one was right wing and they were carving yep. up the field. <laughs> and I yeah. think it was Alan Stagic who was... Uh, one uh, on the coach, Australian coaching team at the at the time, and he came to Perth when the championships were here, and those two were playing, and he, he identified them, and they a few years because they were quite young, but they started going through the national platforms at that time, and at least Devana was a, a right little rat bag, <laughs> but um, oh my god, she played like with uh, Colette McCullum in a way that was just incredible, and um, both yeah. of them went through. As we know, Colette McCollum played 10 years, I think, with the Matildas. And Lisa Devana, yep. well, hopefully she'll play a few more games. And she's, I think she's one off the number of caps for Cheryl Salisbury, who's the longest yes, serving. Yep. Um, but she's Australia's leading goal scorer. Um, so it'd be great if she could get just a couple more games, and not just to beat yeah. Cheryl Salisbury, but because she's transitioned an era of football from where it was 
amateur playing for your country to semi-professional to fully professional. It's just been incredible, the transition that she's seen. And she has often yeah. said that the younger players don't know um, what it means, like the passion and mm. you know the ethic you need to put into it and what it means to give back because they're in a different era. And I, I take on board that. I remember playing against Lisa Devana. Oh my God, she's yeah. just so quick and <laughs> and strong and fiery and all those kind of things that add to uh, like a u- very unique character. And I think of Albert Einstein when I think of Lisa Devon. I don't know why, but Albert Einstein was a kind of a little bit out of left field, but totally brilliant. And Lisa Devon is just that, yeah, like out of left yeah. field, and she's and a left footer and and out of left field and brilliant, and is still enduring and in I, her career. And I think you know you look at those two players, Lisa and Colette in particular. Um, and they were playing, like you said, they were playing for the national team at, at 16, 17, thereabouts, yep. um, which is what Sam Kerr did. And Sam Kerr's got this massive, deserved reputation now um, as to where she is on the world stage. And you sort of look at Lisa and Colette and think, you know, if, if they'd have come through in this era in the same time that Sam did, yep. you know, they would be at that same level because they're all very much on par with each other in terms of what they produce for the game. <coughs> um, I mean, Lisa Devana, I think, yeah, it would be awesome to see her um, play just those few more games and then she would hold the, the Matildas all-time record for games played and goals scored. Um, I think, unfortunately for her, though, the rate at which Sam Kerr has been scoring, she's going to be pretty quickly overtaken in that, that goal-scoring record, though. Mm. Yeah. Um, I yes. think Lee, Sam's only uh, five or six goals behind her. Five goals now. behind, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the pressure's on Lisa to put a few more away and <laughs> um, keep Sam away for that little bit longer. But, yeah, the, the, the women's team, obviously, Lisa and, and Colette were, were walking. Who else in that team for you? Uh, Penny, that you put together, do you consider as, as walk-ins for it? Because, I mean, I look at the, the names on there and you've got your, your Tanya Oxterbees and your Sharon Madalyan and so forth, but there's a few there which are pretty obvious to me. Well, Anishin Yuzenko stands out for me now. She mm-hmm. died just before her 18th birthday. Um, she was yep. named in the best 11 of the world at the 78 tournament, which was the first women's world tournament. Sandra Brentnell yeah. played there. Uh, Sharon Loveless played during that tournament, and there were several others. In fact, there was a handful of West Australians who, who played in that tournament. Um, we had seven from WA yeah, in that tournament. That's right. Yeah. It's incredible. And I just think with her potential, and she'd already physically matured to play alongside those other players that uh, played for many more years, she would have been an absolute legend and and at the age of 17 she would have played for another at least 10 years and the accolades that she would yeah. have reached would have been quite incredible. Now her brother Alex and Yuzenko coached her and I think it was her sister also played at Inglewood Kiev. So Inglewood Kiev is a little bit of a yeah. hot hotbed for football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In terms of other players... Uh, homegrown players, Luch, uh, Di, uh, I say Dienio, but Luch Colangelo. <laughs> she she played for yeah. many many years. She was a great leader. She was the type of player that other players looked up to. They listened to. Uh, great integrity, a good role model. Uh, she was fantastic. She played in to the Western Waves. Played under Alistair Edwards when they were finishing with the national championships. In Australia, they played over in Kuala Lumpur, I think was their last national championships. And Tal Cup, you've got to mention Tal Cup. Yep. She left yep. Western Australia and went over east and played football there because the National Soccer League was kicking in 
for women there. Um, so she finished playing early because there wasn't a professional football platform for her to do that and she became a lawyer. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right, yeah. the, the environment changed for the younger people or the people earlier in the game and they had to make other choices because of the era of football and that might have been different for men's football, I'm not sure, but in women's football now is a time to be playing football and have it as a career yeah. and, and be profiled and have opportunities. It's all so different, but there were some very fantastic players in other eras of women's football, just like in men's football. If you had taken um, Alan Beale out of you know his era of football and, and plonked him in today, where might he have reached yeah. and what profile might he yeah. have reached and where might he be playing? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it is tricky to say. Um, but, yeah, th- th- you've got a goalkeeper in there who only played for, for five years. Her career was five years, and that was it. You know, So she was 20 when she stopped playing the game, uh, Maxine Sullivan. Yep. Um, and that was in, the, in 1980. So you're right. They're, they're, you know, it, for, for the women's side of it in particular, um, it was not uncommon to, for your career to, for, for you to call time on your career when you hit 24, 25. Because that's yep. the time where, you know, other things in life start kicking mm-hmm. in, um, families, work, you, all, all those things. Um, that's just right. just a different time, yeah. 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 Uh, with, with um, sorry, just to promote my website slightly, uh, uh, I do the A-League <laughs> stats and I also set it up to do the W-League stats, uh, which has yeah. now all been updated. And it's, it's noticeable in the A-League, the average age for the players for, for a squad is about 26, 27, 28. Uh, with yep. the women's teams, the you've got players in there and I'm sort of entering their data and they've been around for five years and they're still only 20 or 21. Yeah. The, the average age for the, the squad is only about 21 in a lot of cases. So yep. um, yeah. it's certainly with women's football, they tend to be younger. Yep. 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 And finish younger? Um, I don't really record when they finish, but um, mm. yeah, I, I don't think we've had any, we've broken the 40-year-old mark oh. in the W League like we did in the A League. So. No. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've got a few players in, that, in your squad, Penny, there that... That are still kicking on well beyond thirty, though, haven't we? We've got Lisa, mm. yep, uh, absolutely, Devana, and someone who you've not mentioned as yet, Sandra Brentnell. Well, um, Sandra's not I, playing now, but huh. she played up until no. she was nearly fifty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Lisa's kicking on to I think she's up around thirty-five-ish somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, playing professional football. Yeah. Yep. Incredible. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brett, we're going to have to let you go. Appreciate your time today. And you can find those lists on the West Australian Hall of Fame Facebook page. And if you want to contribute to the Football West Dream Teams, then you can go to the footballwest.com.au page. I'm not sure when that closes, but I'm pretty sure it's sometime this week. So get get on board with that. And we've got a link on our Facebook group. Okay, good one. Yeah. Nominations for the Football West team close this coming Tuesday. Um, So I'd encourage everyone to, to... get in there and nominate a few players and some coaches as well. Um, just one thing that the, the Hall of Fame does kind of have coming up is uh, myself, Richard and Mel have put together an all-time uh, Best of the West Dream Team men's side. Um, we've been working on that over the last few days and that will come out uh, next week as well. Um, so watch out for that. That is covering the entire 118-year period uh, for West Australian football. Working from home, are we, Brett? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Working from home, are we? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, what I mean is you got all this time to do this stuff. You must be working from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been on holiday for the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, I've had some spare time. Yeah, good one. <laughs> good work, Brett, and uh, appreciate all the work that everyone's done to get those teams together. But if you want to contribute, get onto the footballwest.com.au page or our World Football. There's some links there. Yeah. Have a good weekend, Brett. Thank you. You too, guys. See ya. Cheers. Bye. That was Brett Klocksnick from um, WA Hall of Fame. We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat to Frank Cutts. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. It's not who we're playing against, it's the points. These guys are coming to our country to play for the most important points into the World Cup. This is it, we're at home. This is why we all play football. It definitely makes a difference when you see and you feel the passion from the fans and their noise and their support will carry us over the line. This is the world stage and whatever happens on here is down to you. Good morning. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete in the studio with you and more of the team will be in next week. And you'll notice we have a large team in the last 12 months or so, which has been fantastic. Sean and myself are in the driving seat, but uh, the team around us has changed. So actually, Pete ends up with me more often than not. I think we make a great team, This year it's been about 50-50. I've been on with Sean a bit too. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Pete brings me coffees. So he's all right. He can can come and be my wingman. Yeah, that's how I get invited (laughs) back on the program. That's my contribution to the show. Oh, yeah. We've got Frank Cutts on the line this morning. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, give us a little bit of a profile of Frank Cuts and football in your life, Frank, so our listeners kind of get a, a gist of who Frank Cuts is. Um, well, I came to Perth in 1969. Um, the first thing I did, because I was on my own and virtually didn't have any friends, the first thing I did was where they play football with that what it's all about and it helped me make friends did, um, did you have to clarify that you meant uh, round ball football because you walk out, you walk to someone <laughs> in Perth and say football they they tend to think of this funny egg game uh, I know right well I, I didn't even know at the time whether they played real football in in, in Australia yeah uh, you just you just don't get to hear anything about it back in the UK but um, yeah as soon as I got off the boat I made inquiries and it's quite clear that the Italian clubs Azori and East Fremantle Tricolori were the top dogs at the time. Uh, we're winning everything, and it just just out of out of the blue, we were taking a ride in the car at Mount Hawthorne, and I saw these guys training outside the velodrome, and went and had a kick about with them, and that ended up being back then they were called Olympic Macedonia. Yep. Uh, so I ended up signing for them, and I stayed playing with them for 11 years. That's a decent amount mm. of time. Mm. Yeah, so and... yeah. What, what what period 
in time are we talking here? What years? Uh, well, I started playing with them in January 1970, and I left to join Melville Alemania in 81. Liking that name. <laughs> That's my club. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've got a funny story to tell you about Melville Alemania later, but... Uh, yeah. Well, well, hang that, on. That's, that's a good story. Hang though. on. If it, see, when Pete says, I'll tell you later, I wonder if it's G-rated. See, if it's G-rated, you can tell it right now, Frank. So, back then, Melville Alamania, uh, and I think they still have, have the Ryan Donner Club on North. They do. Oh, they yep. do, yes. Yeah, and back then, it, it was really down to rich punters or supporters of the club to keep it running because there was just no way to make income but the Ryan Donner Club was great for Saturday nights to have a dance or a party. Yes, yes it was. Uh, yeah, and this particular Saturday night it was like you pay $10 and you get your beer and your wine and iron chips or whatever they were serving. Um, schnitzel, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> Sauerkraut. <laughs> yes, lots of yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and at around about 11 o'clock at night, it was a closed shop, by the way. You had to pay to get in. And around about 11 o'clock, everybody, it was a fancy dress night as well. So I was dressed as a cricket player. I had a cricket bat and all that. Some people were Batman and Robin. There was even one there as a fairy, you know, with a, a tutu on. <laughs> and then around about 11 o'clock, three or four guys uh, just invited themselves in and started drinking our beer. Always, always a bad move. That's a bad move, yeah. People took offence at that and a little ruckus started outside and next thing I know, I ran out just to see what's going on and I can see a couple of guys in cricket bats and this chap called Johnny Burrows, Johnny's funny guy, running down North Lake Road towards Marnie Street with a tutu. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, I cracked up that. <laughs> He probably got away with that because the roads weren't as busy back then as they are now. <laughs> no, it was it was the light to watch. And anyway, those guys didn't come back, so the job done. Yeah. yeah. So, in that story, you mentioned cricket and soccer, football. So, am I right in thinking that there was the winter season of football, and then there was a summer season of soccer, and the guys stayed together? Um, Did I say no, just soccer and cricket? That's yeah, what I meant yeah, to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a fancy dress night, so people dressed as cricketers. Okay, so there was not you weren't actually cricket players over summertime or anything. No, basically in in, in the seventies, and I don't know whether they do it now. Uh, you try to stay together by going down to Bunbury Carnival. Or yep. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was enjoyable because you got to stay away for a long weekend with your mates and yep, yep, a couple yep. of beers and a pizza. It was fun. So the reason I asked about the cricket was because when I played for Melville Alemania, we played our games at what's now Mum FC, so Murdoch University, Melville, very long name, we'll just say Melville, at Len Shearer, but we also played our games at the Leeming Centre, the John Connell Centre at Leeming next to the golf club. So they played cricket there. So the guys stayed together in summer, I believe, not all of them, but, you know, a bulk of them, they played cricket there and they played soccer. Yeah. So that, that's why I was asking. So it's different now because there's so much, it's a very long season of football or soccer and then there's so much other stuff that happens as well. So I don't know if, I don't know anyone that would do that. 
There'd be interesting story though. Someone, <coughs> someone playing both. Yeah. Yeah. Summer and winter. Sport. Yeah, like but staying staying together as a team. I I, I think in England, um, football and cricket were kind of synonymous back in the decades because mm. the season's finished and started. But now soccer kind of goes twenty four seven. It's yeah. And for the record, Melville Alemania being a German club, I find them I find it hard to imagine them having anything to do with cricket because Germany doesn't have a great cricketing history. I don't culture. I don't yeah. actually remember that many Germans at the club. Yeah, well, they were the yeah. ones you know paying the cash and surprise. Yeah, they were the ones that running. Uh, yeah, we 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 did stay together in some fashion because we started five side team in the off season. Yep. So we used to play five side indoor. You'd remember Hines, wouldn't you? Sorry? You'd remember Hines, wouldn't you? He was involved with the club for many, many years. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to always have fun with Hines and with that song, you know, that ditty about Hines baked beans. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, my yeah. God. Beans means Hines. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He was That's He right. was still we, the barman at Leeming Strikers when I was there in the late 2000s. Yeah. Uh, so. yep. Wonderful guy. Yeah, yeah oh, just uh, many, many decades of uh, service to football, for sure. I'm pretty sure he was made a life member of uh, Leeming Football Club. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Right. Um, and what about uh, some highlights of your playing career? There's been some dream teams that have been uh, assembled in the past uh, week or so to commemorate our history of football, Frank. Um, you yep. must have played alongside some pretty amazing footballers. You know, if you go back in the 70s, uh, immigration was a major part of, a major source of players for, for the clubs. Mm. So, uh, for instance, at Olympic Macedonia, which became Olympic Kingsway in the mid-70s, I think it was, when they took away the ethnic names, um, there was very few Macedonians or Greeks playing for that team. It was mainly... Uh, UK or Eastern European. Yep. Um, I can remember back in the mid seventies, Krakowie, who were a, a very, they've been around for years and years and years. They had about three, four players playing for them that were ex-Polish internationals, mm. and you just couldn't get the ball off them. <laughs> they were amazing players. Huh? Yep. Uh, so, and look, that that's that's kind of been an argument over time, hasn't it? is that when the NSL changed from the NSL to the A-League, the FFA, Football Federation Australia, brought in the rule of no ethnic names. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'm not quite sure how I felt about that because uh, they were trying to say there was a little bit of, you know, passion and maybe some aggression that associated with those names and those groups and that we shouldn't have that going forward, but well, it also lost an, uh, an incredible identity. I, I see what you're saying. I don't think it was so much about passion. I think it was just about branding. If you were from Sydney and you are you know, Joe Average looking for a team to support. You could support Sydney Croatia or Sydney Olympic or um, Sydney Italian club Marconi. It was like there was no sort of bog standard Sydney team. Northern Spirit came in and suddenly they shocked everyone by pulling crowds of fifteen thousand for about two seasons before it all fizzled out. But yeah, um, I think I think that was their idea behind it was more just to open it up to the mainstream more. Yep. Whether or not that was the right thing to do, I don't know. But yeah. But like Frank said, uh, you know, it was very immigration, not immigration based, but they pulled a lot of players into clubs yeah. um, who were immigrants, who it was their, you know, their passion and, and their background to come from countries in Europe and England that played football yeah. as part of their life. Kick, kickabouts in the streets and stuff like that. Yeah. Don't see that much here, do we, Frank? We don't. Um, yeah, 
you know, if I think back at some of the players in the 70s that were outstanding, they'd easily find them. Because then you only train for a couple of hours every Tuesday and Thursday night and then you played on a Saturday. Mm. But some of the players were around then. If they were training five days a week, like glory guys do, they would walk into a first glory team. You know, I'm talking guys like John Davidson, Ray Eilert, Lenny Dundo, Nick McCallum, Brian Newell. Yep. And yeah. Gary Marocchi. I mean, Gary did. I think he coached the glory, but... Sure did. Gary, yeah, Gary was an international type player, and I think eventually he got to play for the national team, but from memory, I think he had to move to Adelaide to make it happen, because it was very pro-Sydney, the game in those days. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where all the, the, the action happened, and that's where I think they made... They were able to exist without having some... Uh, which sponsors? I guess they got a decent crowd, maybe a thousand or two thousand a week or something. Yeah, and we, we talked about that a little bit uh, with some of our guests earlier, Frank, where some of the women's players shifted from WA to East. Tolkarp was one of them. To, to be play. fair, that's even still a thing today. I mean, arguably, the Glory lost Josh Risden because he wanted to be more in the the coach's eye by playing for Western Sydney. At least that was the reason he gave. Yep. I kind of forgave him for that. There's more opportunities, isn't yeah. it? I mean, there's one team here. Yeah. It might be one state team, might be one Perth Glory women's team, one Perth Glory men's team, but over east um, you have an opportunity to consider various other mm. options. Mm. Frank, we introduced you as the uh, the winner of the Rothmans Award in 1970. Now, I tried to do a bit of Googling to find out about the Rothmans Award and all I could get was things about some rugby league championship. <laughs> um can you, can you fill us in on what the Rothmans Award actually is? Well, basically, and to be honest with you, until two weeks before I actually won it, I didn't even know what was going on. But <laughs> so no was, pressure? No. The, the referees were giving a 3-2 and a 1 to who they thought was the best and fairest on the day. Yep. And those points are massed until <clears throat> the end of the season. And about two weeks before the end of the season, it... I saw a little article in the Sunday Times that said um, it just gave the progress results and I was top by two points and I thought, wow, how did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. To be honest with you, I wasn't too kind to the referees in my playing days. Uh, Can can you give us an example? Uh, Not of the the unkind thing. No, no, the unkind. I want to hear the, like a G-rated unkind thing. (laughs) Well, we don't have anyone. Imagine, yeah, when you when you watch the EPL now, or, or the Italian or the French football, you can actually lip read and read some of the obscenities that <laughs> the players shout at the referee. <laughs> in those days, if you even said a tiny word that was a little swear word, you're off, you're gone. <laughs> and and one, one guy who regularly used to get rid of me off the pitch was a chap called Roy Stedman. Um, now, Roy is renowned for sending Dennis Law off when that Manchester yes. United played at the Walker in 67. He sent Dennis Law off. How long was Yes, after 33 minutes, I believe it was. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and being a Manchester United fan, I actually saw that in the newspaper. And that's why I knew they did play football in, in Perth anyway. So, yeah. Um, 
but that was interesting, yeah. You'd sort of think maybe maybe having sent the player off, it may have made for a fairer match between uh, Manchester United and Western Australia, but it still finished 7-0 to Manchester United. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Anyway, the end, end of the day, um, I, I got the most points. I think the second was a, a really great goalkeeper called Jaroslav Klimak. I think he played for Kiev. Yep. Back then. Uh, and I, I got three hundred dollars, which man do you think the the average wage back then was fifty dollars? It was good. Okay, yeah. So you were a goal scorer, Frank. Did you score lots of goals, Frank? Is that what? No, oh, we just no. lost him. Far okay. out, man. <laughs> we might just leave it there because we're going to get another guest on the line in a few minutes anyway. But uh, I feel Frank has got lots of. Contained stories within himself. So yeah, we I might think we need to ease, bring those stories out. Oh, we don't I th- need to get I think them out we of do. I, th- I think we got him into a comfort zone there. So we'll have to get him back on at some point, but just not at this moment. Um, it's funny because I can see the smile on your face, and as Frank was saying things, I'm thinking you're wanting to draw particular things out of him. So. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> I, I may have heard one or two of those stories before, <laughs> so I was just seeing what we could get away with. All right. Well, we'll. Go to break and we'll come back and have a chat with the Greenie girls, uh, Danielle and Charlotte. And this is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Back soon. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hi, and welcome to the World Football Programme. The team are on air for 2019 from February through to the end of November at their usual time of 10am till 12. Become a member of our Facebook group, join in the football chat, share your news and win prizes throughout the year. Thanks for tuning in to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. I'm not you when you were a kid. The stuff your high school coach said to you will really, really motivate me. Not. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. We're girls and we play soccer. Girls need to be coached like girls. Me and Am once said, coach me like a man, but treat me like a woman. Are you going to argue with me a ham? If you're going to teach me soccer, do it right, because there's a lot at stake. If I stick with sports, studies show that I'll get better grades in school. I'll get a better job after college. I'll have a lower risk of obesity that will last me my whole life. Coaching girls soccer is serious business. I'm more likely to get a serious concussion than any young athlete except boys who play tackle football. More than boys who play soccer. More than boys who play lacrosse. And more than boys who play ice hockey. In my teenage years, I'll be six times more likely to blow it in me than a boy my age playing the same sport. If I believe you care more about winning than you care about me, I could quit sports, and that could affect me for the rest of my life. So remember, I'm a soccer player. I'm a soccer player. And I'm a girl, so coach me like one. 
Treat me like one. Teach me like one! Welcome back to the World Football Program. I'm not sure what happened to the interview with Frank Cutts. His line just cut out, so to speak. Uh, that's a bit of a shocker, but we'll have to get Frank back. That's an excuse to get him on again, I think. Yeah, uh, no problem at all with that. He sounds like he's got some contained stories that we can uncontain for him. We've got Pete and Penn having a chat to the Greeny girls at the moment. We've got uh, Danielle and Charlotte. And I should say, too, that when the two girls were playing for Mum FC, there was a news article, I think it was Channel 9, and, and they could probably correct me, where we had... Uh, like 20 sets of twins in the club oh, and we went on that, yeah. on the news. Are you there, girls? Can you hear? Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Can you remember that news story by one of the TV broadcasters? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Can you remember how many sets of twins that they identified in the club? I think it was 21 twin, sets of twins. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And you were one of those sets of twins. I think you are probably one of the older sets of twins. There was like so many young ones. It was quite incredible. It kind of made you a little bit famous, really. I'd like to see the team use that <laughs> yeah. for a tactical advantage by just fielding a team purely of twins and mess with the opposition's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. You're good girls. You wouldn't mess about with your parents or the other teams and kind of switch positions or anything like that, would you, girls? Um... <laughs> well, we play different positions, so yeah. I don't think that will work. Yeah, well, that, that's true. You've got a little bit of a different style of play, each of you, haven't you? Yeah. Who plays what position? Um, I play goalkeeper and defence. And that's Danielle speaking? Yeah. And Charlotte and plays? I play centre midfield. Okay. Yeah, you definitely sound different. So there's <laughs> one one point of a difference there. That, that's great. So, what's your current club that you play for? Um, Fremantle City. Okay, you both play for the same club. Yeah. Have you always played for the same club? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> when you play football, you always go yeah. from yeah one club. You, you you wouldn't think of playing for different clubs. You got different positions. So you're at an age where maybe. You're drafted to play for semi-professional football and the other player is drafted to play for a club somewhere else. You wouldn't consider that? Um, it depends on what team, to be honest, and where it's located. Yeah, fair enough. And how old are you? 16. Okay, yep, so parents are still required to drive you about, yeah, so they've yeah. got some influence the as par- well. Parents will want them both at the same club <laughs> yeah. while they're driving. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. All right, so we've been in a pretty serious period of football hibernation. How have you both been keeping up the um, passion for football or the, the football spirit? What have you been doing? Uh, we have actually been doing a bunch of, like, exercises. So we've done, like, the bin challenge, Charlotte did toilet paper challenge <laughs> and we actually are set um, a bingo by our coach Carissa who sets it out every week and we complete pretty much all of the rubric so how does that work how does it like bingo I'm thinking bingo um, people over the age of 50-ish go to a hall and they the sit down and they put little things on bingo number cards or <laughs> bin challenge um <laughs> No, it's just like exercises that we do and we try to like complete them all by the end of the week mm. and then we compare to our other teammates who also do it 
to see how many we can do in comparison. Okay, and, and how do you connect with other teammates to know if they've done it? Uh, we use WhatsApp. Okay, okay. radio. So has your club, and it's Fremantle, how does your club kind of keep everyone engaged or how have they kept everyone engaged and connected through this period? Uh, WhatsApp and Facebook. Okay, so do you have like a regular team meeting in some way or you just individually you buddy up with each other or call each other and check on what you've been doing and say hi? Uh, we have a group chat that we message on so we can always see who's doing what. Yep, and you kind of G each other up and say, hey, you're slacking a bit there, I've done more than you and boast <laughs> about how many balls you've got into the, the garbage bin in the driveway. I saw those videos, well yep. done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And what about um, not uh, some videos or some links to um, nice websites that have got stay-at-home challenges that you can recommend? Have you been logging onto those? Uh, we have looked at some of them. We haven't been, like, doing them in a way. Like, we mainly focus on the bingo that we're set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and have you been back at school this week? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we yeah. started on Wednesday. Okay, you didn't have any reservations about going back to school? Uh, uh, did we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What did your parents say? You're going back to school. <laughs> oh, they just like, nope, you're going back. <laughs> okay. We have no restrictions. Yeah, and, and how do you feel about the, the no football thing? Has that been hard for you or have you done other things to keep your mind off the no football? Where, where are you at with that? Um, well, it's been a bit, like, not boring, but it's been a bit out of, like, unusual not to play football when you actually want to play football. Yeah. But we've just been doing individual and, like, just exercises out of, like, out of the sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly been a different environment really and I think it's human nature that we just go and do the things that we can do so we'll go and work or we'll go to school or we'll be online with our mates or you know so esports do you do esports that's a big thing with football west at the moment uh we don't play esports okay I mean we do play esports but just not FIFA like they had the FIFA 20 tournament yeah we don't have FIFA 20 but we do play other games, like the other FIFAs. We don't really engage with other people, though. Okay, so what you're saying is if your parents actually went and bought you the FIFA 20, you would have been able to participate in the Football West tournament. Is that is that yeah, what you're yeah. trying to say? There? Yeah, okay. Ooh, so, they both said yeah. that together. There so, you go. Yeah. So, <clears throat> parents should be listening to that. That's right. I think, yep, good And I'll take a, a commission from FIFA <laughs> on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you know that FIFA have a tournament that you can win like a million dollars? for the eSport winner? I mean, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, right? Yep, yep. And it's just in our generation, I'm talking like Pete and, and I as older adults, we don't do the eSport thing that much, do we, Pete? I tried it, but I don't do it very well. No. And, and my, or, you know, my daughter Rose, she's 13, and we don't have eSports at home at all. Mm. Um, I, I just, I, I'm not a great believer in sitting inside and doing that. I'm like, get outside and go for a walk and engage with your friends. And I know we haven't been able to do that, but yeah. you can go for a walk in the park and listen to the birds and whatever else. Mm. So have you heard the news that, at the end of this month, 
we are going to have a review and possibly return to football in, in the short space thereafter and that overnight there is allowed to be 10 people having a kick about at the park as long as there's space. Have you heard that news? Yeah, okay. we heard it this morning. Yeah, very good. So what does that mean for you guys? Does that mean that you'll be calling up some of your teammates to have a kick about at the local park? I believe so, if we can get enough people or yeah. enough players to get up. Yeah, mm. it might be a bit of a difficult one. I'm not quite sure how you can... If they're, well, they do it, like I say, if they're doing the distancing thing, that they, they sort of lends itself more to the penalty shootout style or just the almost the old school training where you just line up in two lines and pass the ball backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards for, you know, yeah. two hours and then go home. You can't really have any tackling because you right. can't get into the, someone else's personal space. Yeah. It's just, uh, I'm not quite sure how a training session or a game would look at this yeah, moment. Yeah, I don't think we're quite at that point yet. But Yeah. Uh, do, do you think when you heard the news, girls, that it meant, woohoo, it's not going to be long before we can get back to our clubs and start training and playing football again? Yeah. I mean, I have also goalkeeper training, so yeah. I am actually enjoying that because we don't actually, like, do anything contact-wise. Yeah. So we can actually get back to goalie training. Yeah, and you've just come back from an injury, Charlotte, haven't you? How's that going? Uh, going good. It's slowly getting there. Been running, been doing exercises. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Been mm. to shoot does, does Danielle help with that? Did she motivate you or did she just say? No. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Are, are you girls going to be playing in exactly the same team when you go back to Fremantle? Yeah. Okay, so... I'll probably, I'll probably play for the under-18s next year because I don't want to start this season. Mm. Okay. Because that, you got to gain confidence. That, that was you, Charlotte, speaking, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, just checking. And, Danielle, you'll be you'll be fit? You're, no injuries whatsoever? You're ready to rock and roll? Yep. Okay, so you'll be playing for the under-23s, the, the WNPL at Fremantle? It's the under-18s. Under-18s. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay, sorry about that. And uh, how have your folks, uh, your family, been helping you with football stuff? Have they been saying, uh, just whatever? Or have they been going like, well, you know, when football starts in a few weeks' time, you've got to be fit so you don't get any more injuries. You've got to be motivated and ready to hit the ground so you can get in the first 11. Have they been motivated to help you like that? Yeah, they, uh, they always tell us to do exercise at least once a day. Good. And then, mm-hmm. like, do other things, like, either do the rubric or go running. So, so we've been doing that for a while. So so what's the rubric? Uh, the bingo. Right. Oh, right. Okay, cool. We're just, yeah, I'm right, making a, a note of that. Ru- I've never heard of the rubric before. No, I've never heard, yeah. There you go. I think of the cube <laughs> with all the colours on the sides. Yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, so it's generational The kids thing. would have no idea what the no. Rubik's Cube is, no. No, no, yes, they would. My daughter knows what a Rubik's Cube is. Okay. Totally. Yeah, they come in all different shapes now, like octagonal things. And, and then it's not a cube, is I know, it? right. I know. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> things have changed, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> okay, so... I don't know if you're aware of it, Gills, but there's been a whole lot of dream teams getting collated over the last week or so with Football West and the Hall of Fame to get the best players from Western Australia the men's teams and the youth teams and the women's teams. Can you tell us, each of you, who's inspired you along the way to play football or is a role model for you or has tucked you under their wing at some point? 
Um, well, after my goalkeeper, my player that I've like looked up to for a while now was Peter Cech. Mm-hmm. Yep. He used to play for Chelsea. He did indeed, an excellent goalkeeper. Mm. I always thought it was amusing that his surname was Czech and he was Czechoslovakian. Yep. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, did he change his name to to do that? That was just that's just kind of crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> Wait till you hear about Danny Invincible. Um, what do you mean? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm pretty sure he played on a losing team once or twice. <laughs> and what about you, Danielle? Charlotte. Um, yeah. So as I play centre midfield, um, I look up to Adam Hassard, who was a former Chelsea player. Chelsea again. I'm guessing that yeah. Chelsea is the team that your entire family supports. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever mm. been to see Chelsea play? Uh, yeah, we went. So I don't know what year it was, but we did watch a game um, on Boxing Day sometime. And then we also went to have a training and the game when they came down yeah. to Perth. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. So did uh, half of Perth. I think they did. It was good. It was very good. It's nice to see profile a uh, sport uh, team that was that big a profile come to Perth and get the opportunity to go and watch. Now you have uh, a family member over in the UK, young Josh, who's appeared on the World Football Program, kicking a soccer ball and trying to pull a shirt over his head mm-hmm. while he's still juggling the ball, which is pretty impressive for anyone. Really, tell us about young Josh. Um, he is. 13, I believe, and he plays for the Crystal Palace um, Academy team. Yep. Okay, so that means that means he's got uh, some decent qualities about him to be picked up mm. at yep. that age. Hmm. So does this mean that he's kind of contracted to be a player, like, say, every day after school he does, like, so many hours of football or... He does once a week. How, what does it mean to be contracted to Crystal Palace as a, what is it, an apprentice or what do they call them there? Um, he, is, uh, he has a contract with them. So he plays with them a lot. Mm. So pretty much. So he has to do exercises yeah. to improve. Yeah. And then they also went to a Russian um, competition last year. Wow. Mm. Do they have a women's team at Crystal Palace? Yeah, they do. And have you ever been over there to see how they operate? No, no we haven't. Okay, so uh, just for our listeners, uh, where were you born? We were born in England. Okay. You don't have an English accent. I was actually thinking they did. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I don't Slightly know. Yeah, we moved over to Sweden. So. Okay. How long did you live in Sweden for? Nine years. Okay. okay. Did you play football there? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we actually were. We have a competition in Sweden, which is uh, like a large, like international kind of competition called Gothia. Mm-hmm. Go- Gothia, G O T H I A. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. um, one of the top five um, competitions in the world in terms of numbers of teams that participate in. I'm pretty sure that yeah. Northern Redbacks sent a team over mm, there, didn't yes. they? Yeah. I mean, it was run by my old stock team there, so. Nice. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure that in Denmark there's a competition which didn't kick off this year because of the obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortuna Hjoring, I'm not sure. The, the Dan- Danish Cup or something like that? 
it's pretty massive and it brings in a bucket load of money for the club. Mm. But um, there would be a few competitions this year that aren't kicking off because of the so, obvious. So whether the Singer Cup happens later in the year or not. Singer Cup. Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. So, girls, um, dream team. If there was a dream team anywhere, from players from anywhere in the world, who would be a couple of players that you would put in that women's dream team? Danielle, you first. Uh, we would definitely have um, Kerr. Yep, very good. That's one. Uh, I don't know all female players. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, hang, I noted earlier when you both picked players that um, inspired you, you said male players. Okay, yep. so does this mean that you don't follow much of women's football outside of your own club? Uh, we don't actually watch a lot of female football, but we do watch some, like, college football. Okay, that's okay. interesting. I was going to say, Penny's just about to put you on the bad do. list now. <laughs> I know, right? Come on. <laughs> you have heard of, like, Lisa Devana, Colette McCullum, Tracy Wheeler, haven't you? Is it? Caitlin Ford. Hope, yeah. Hope Solo. I don't know. I don't know. Some pretty famous players there. Okay, so Charlotte, number one player that you'd put in a dream team that's female. Um, so, okay, of course, I would put, um, Samka, but I would put Marta, I would put Alex Morgan, um, I mean, I don't know, Abby Wambach, if you know who she is. I do, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Okay, you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, girls, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. I'm glad you're in high spirits and you've been motivated to do football stuff while you've been in football hibernation that's very good I'm, I'm not sure that all of the girls across my girls teams at mum fc could say that exact same thing hmm. maybe because they're a bit younger hmm. and other stuff happens but um very good I'm, I'm glad you're keeping fit and doing all the right things and charlotte your injuries coming along that's that's good to hear and i'm glad your family's looking out for you as well and say thanks to greg i really appreciate the fact that he connected you too so you could have a chat on the program with us thank you Thank you. Thank en- you. Enjoy your football when it kicks back in, girls. Yep. See you later. Thanks, girls. Bye. See ya. That was the Greenie twins who played at Mum FC and now playing at Fremantle and what they've been up to during the football hibernation. Yeah. It's, uh, it strikes me too, if you've got a small place that you live in, like you might live in an apartment up on the third or fourth floor, then activity means you must get out. Yeah, it's a bit harder then than as if you live in a... You know, house with a backyard, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, just just before you go over, yep. just want to take the chance to say happy birthday to Michael Thwaite, former Glory captain, Australia player, and most glorious player of the year in nineteen. F- uh, sorry, not twenty fourteen, not nineteen fourteen. He's not that old. Um, who's apparently still playing for Gold Coast United in the state league over there in Queensland, but he had a uh, four years with the Glory, and I'm sure we can all remember him. Yes, the player who pulled his pants down when he talked to the referee that time. And I must say, that's a very nice <laughs> shirt that you're wearing. It, it, well, I'm, I'm for our listeners out there, I'm wearing the Glory ACL kit, which I bought all excited about <laughs> us being in the Glory <laughs> Champions League. And so far, I've not got to wear it to a game. You so. know, I'm going to take a lovely photo. Okay. There we go. And I'll put that on our page because it's looking so purple and new and unworn. I've only worn it, uh, I think last time I was on air with Sean as well. And then as soon as I got home, I hung it up straight away. So... Hasn't even been through the wash yet. So. It'll it'll look pristine yeah. forever. Yeah. Really? 
<laughs> We're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to Simon Hill. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Let us tell you something about us. If there were no stadiums, no floodlights, no mascots, no commentators, no headlines, no cameras, no contracts, no adverts. Hell, if there was no ball, we'd play anyway. And then we'd find a ball, put nets up, pick sides, take sides. Talk about it. Argue about it. Sponsor it. Film it. Play it. Live it. Because that's the thing about us. We are football. We are football in whatever form it may be. That's right. Talking football, kick about under 11 players on the park, football. Hibernating, stay-at-home exercises, getting ready, being passionate. We are football. Good morning, Simon. How are you? Morning. Very well. How are you? Yeah, we're good. We've yeah. always got something to talk about here. Right. Filled two hours pretty easy, regardless of what's happening uh, in the football world. We haven't even gone over the Belarusian Premier League yet. <laughs> We've got those results ready to go. Forza Dynamo Slutsk. Yeah, that's right. Top of the table. I'm <laughs> proud as anything I about that, my boys. <laughs> My We're goodness. all like the Russian football now. <laughs> no. So it must be a pretty different football environment for Simon Hill. What registers as significant on your football meter at the moment, Simon? Uh, oh, well, that's a good question. Um, well, in the absence of any actual football, it's <laughs> all about the conversation about we'll resume and... Uh, you know, we had some rumours yesterday that maybe the A-League will be back 1st of August. Yep. Um, we've trained in July. Uh, until there's an official announcement, obviously we're all a bit, uh, you know, we're all a bit in the dark. Um, it's the same with the Premier League. I, you know, I think discussions are going on right around the world as to how and, more importantly, when we can get back and run him. But at the end of the day, really, it's got to be guided by government. Um, I sort of, you know, applaud the FA. They made a statement yesterday saying that, you know, they'd, they'd fallen in line with the government's regulations. They were going to take guidance from the government as to when it was going to be safe to return. And I think that's a very responsible position to take. And mm. in contrast to some of the other codes who basically set their own agendas, I know over here in the East, mm. you know, the rugby league is, right, we're coming back on May the 28th. Yeah. Yeah. I don't quite have to put that out. But, um, I mean, they can do what they want. But, you know, if the government says you can't do it, then uh, it's it's all a bit Irish, really. But uh, anyway, look at you know. I think the most important thing, as much as we love and miss football, uh, you know, people's health and safety, and particularly that of the players, because we'll probably play behind closed doors anyway, as and when we get back. Um, you know, that's got to be paramount. So, yeah. Uh, you know, in the interim, if that means us 
not having any football, as frustrating as that is, well, we've just got a college. So we're certainly not unique. No, it did interest me somewhat that the NRL had sent a team, well, the New Zealand team had come over. And I'm thinking, okay, we haven't actually resumed any sport yet, but they've come over, there'll be two weeks of quarantine, and that might go into the period where the government says, okay, now they can have a competition, so they're coming over to be ready for that competition. But like you say, the government has to allow these things to happen before they can actually happen. Otherwise, you know, we won't be... We will undo all the good work that we've done. Mm. Well, that's correct. And I think, um, you know, unfortunately, we know this working in as we do, that uh, the other codes um, tend to have a lot more influence with governments than we do. Um, you know, they, they tend to throw their weights around a little bit. Um, there's obviously a lot of people involved in governments uh, that probably less fans are, of course, and you know, there's probably less that are football fans. Um, yep. And, you know, I've, I've seen some pretty... <laughs> eyebrow-raising statements from rugby league saying, you know, we, we deserve help from governments and, you know, we're an essential part of the Australian landscape, so therefore, we, you know, it's imperative that we get back up and running. Oh, really? To who? <laughs> not to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't care if they play or not. Yeah. Um, so it's, and it's not me having a crack at rugby league or Aussie rules. It's, it's the fact that if you're going to have organised professional sport up and running, it has to be across the board. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not one ahead of the other. Um, if they're going to get money, then everybody else should get money. If they're going to set a date to resume, no problem. Mm. So should everybody else. Yes. Yeah. And they should all play by the same rules. Yes. But uh, as, as we know, across the country, those two codes do what they want and uh, appear to have rather complicit people in, in government and the corporate world who will do their bidding for them. So, you know, that, that's unfortunate from our point of view, but uh, again, we're not alone. There's a lot of other sports that I'm sure are looking at that and thinking, well, hang on a minute, what about us? Yes. Um, you know, the, the bottom line is, uh, and again, this is why I applaud sort of football stance in this, is that while you want to get back playing desperately, and of course, you know, from a professional imperative, uh, it, financially it's hurting us the longer we don't play, yes. but mm. you've got to be, you know, good, responsible social citizens and say, if it's not safe to play, either for our players or for the public, then we've got to wait yes. yeah. and take advice from the people who know better, and that's the experts and, and the government. The, the sooner, as soon as you go out publicly and say, right, we're, we're, we're playing on May the 28th come hell or high water, I, I think you start putting people offside. Um, yeah. But, yeah. That, you know, that's unfortunately the way it appears to be in Australia. So there's been a few things that have happened in the last uh, few weeks while we've been in, let's say, it's hibernation. The Football Federation Australia have got a starting 11 together and out of that there's been some comments that have come which are pretty good comments, a reflection on where we're at. um, And some of those comments have included that that starting 11 is put together to help stabilise football or the FFA. I'm not quite sure what what that means and how Mm. destable people think that it actually is um you know is the a-league sustainable these are questions that have come up in in the group discussion um you know youth football how it costs so much and how it's sustained sustainable for the rich but not for the poor and, mm. and does that exclude some of the players that, of opportunities to progress um and do we need to unify to get more funding what's your thoughts on all of that simon there's about 15 questions. I in know, there, right? Um, 
<laughs> Not many answers, maybe. Well, look, first of all, on, on the starting 11, um, while I applaud it, it's great to have, you know, people of the calibre of Mark Viduka and Ron Smith and Connie Selby and Heather Garriock, uh, Frank Farina, all, all those people involved in trying to set a template for the future in terms of the actual football, uh, and I applaud that. Uh, I, it, it does make me wonder that all this happened just a week after Mark Viduka and Josip Skoko appeared on an Optus yes. Sports uh, discussion program berating the FFA for their <laughs> lack of vision. Yep. And, and hey, presto, a week later, they're on a committee. Yes. Um, you know, it does seem rather reactive to me. Uh, whether that was the plans were in place for that before, I, I don't know. That's probably, you know, my cynical side. Um if they're able to come up with some good plans, fantastic. Mm. But that leads on to the next question. And again, this is the point that I think a lot of people continue to miss. You can put together the best brains in Australia in terms of uh, devising a football program. You can come up with the best ideas. You can aim for zero fees for kids uh, to play football, which, of course, you know is what we all want. Yeah. But at the end of the day, who's paying? Yeah. Have we got the funds to put in place whatever this starting 11 comes up with? Yeah. And, and that's the bottom line. And until people realise that the two are connected, you, you can whinge and jump up and down all day long about the fact that you, little Johnny has to pay $1,000 to play football. But if that $1,000 disappears and we say, right, you're paying for free, who pays for all those services that, little Johnny uses, mm. who pays for his kit, who, who pays for the grounds that he plays on, the referees that referee his game, everything else. Now, this is where the other coaches differ. They are top-down funded because they have billion-dollar TV deals. Yeah. We don't. Mm. We only have a $57 million a year TV deal. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation about the future of that as well. So, you know, th this all comes down to, to basic economics and... I, I, I do get irritated by a lot of people across the country who say, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, I've got to pay such and such amount to, for my kids to play. And I, I, I get that. It is too expensive. And then I say, do you go and watch the A-League? Oh, no, no, no. I don't bother with the A-League. Yeah. Oh, right. Do you watch the Premier League? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I'm a big Liverpool fan or Man United fan. Okay. So you're spending your dollars on a subscription to watch the Premier League. You probably own a couple of Liverpool shirts and a scarf. Maybe when they come over here, you'll invest $100 to go and watch them play. But you don't invest in your local club. And then you whinge about little Johnny having to pay $1,000. Do you see what I mean? Yes. All of this is interconnected. Mm -hmm. And as a football community, we have to support our own game in this country. Otherwise, it's never going to get anywhere. And to go back to your original point, the starting 11 as a concept, yeah, brilliant, fantastic. Mm. Uh, who could argue with those names? And I'm sure they'll come up with some great ideas for football. But it's the business of football that is the problem, and it's the football that suffers because of it. And until we sort the former out, the latter will continue to struggle. Do you think that this is a ground zero, that the COVID-19 has brought us back to, OK, there's no football happening at the moment, there's no... Income, a lot of, probably a lot of expenses, and mm. there's reductions and resources being allocated in different ways, redu uh, reductions in staff across you know all different football organisations. Is mm. this a ground zero from which we can create some better things? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's an opportunity to reset. 
Uh, and let's be honest, we need a reboot in this game because, you know, the A-League has stagnated over the last three years. There's also angst and uh, a feeling of disconnection from the grassroots and certainly the NPL clubs who feel they're detached uh, from the A-League, from the professional game. I, I hope and I trust, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this is happening, that under James Johnson, the new CEO, there's an awful lot of discussions going on at the moment uh, about you know, a, a better whole-of-game approach. Again, I go back to the original point that that's still going to cost a lot of money and who's going to pay for that restructure. Uh, the governance of the game, for, for me, is still not correct. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, the State Federation should go. I'll probably fall into that camp. I'm not saying that they, you know, they should not have any representation at national level, but I think replication of, of governance across 10 states which leaves us, in effect, with 10 governing bodies for one game, yes. is ridiculous. Yes. There's an awful lot of yeah. du duplication there. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of things that, you know, the FFA and the clubs should be looking at at the moment and looking to come back a much stronger, a much more unified game because, you know, and we, we quote this ad nauseum, but we have 2 million participants in this game. If we can unlock the potential of football, mm. then the sky is the limit. Yeah. But mm. we're too divided. We all operate on different pages. We all only see our own little corner of the pie. And until we get somebody that can actually construct a bigger picture and bring everybody into the tent and say, right, are we buying into this vision? We're going to continue to struggle. Maybe this you know, COVID break is the opportunity the game needs. Um, I certainly think it could be, but uh, it, it depends on people thinking outside the square. Yes. And my experience football in Australia, people unfortunately don't tend to do that. I think that when Mark Schwarzer said that we need to unify, it, it's, it's bang on the, um, the mark, really, because... Mm. Mm. It, we, we have duplicated a lot of uh, the infrastructure across the country and if I think of uh, AFL, how they, they're, they're top down, so they they're, they're made the decisions and finances go into that one body and then it filters through, whereas right. we have duplication of all those resources, fighting yeah. to do all the same things in our code and that must be completely confusing for when someone wants to sponsor or give money or help or unlock that potential. Absolutely. Yep. So the, the re because you, because you got ten different voices yes. asking for money for the for the, essentially the same game. Yes. Mm. Um, now I'm sure there's you know there is it's not all completely separate. There is a lot of overlap, but you know I think I think it would help the game to streamline it to become one individual voice with you know regional management teams to operate in the states because obviously the FFA can't be everywhere. But, you know, when you think 10 governing bodies, 10 boards of directors, 10 chairmen, 10 CEOs, you know, 10 sets of staff, I mean, that can't be economically smart. Mm. Um, and I think it's time we moved away from this federated model because politically as well at Congress, you know, things tend to get uh, clogged up. And again, just, you know, heart back to the starting level, it's, it's great that this, committee's been put together but how many committees have we got <laughs> how many committees do we need where is the overall arching plan to say this is what we're doing and everybody's got a full lockstep in behind this yeah. at the moment we're just the whole collection of talking shops so the the point is that we all have reduced and changed in 
becoming a new normal, uh, I, I think, that uh, football federations and sporting associations across the country and across the world would have done exactly the same thing and that's mm. tightened up, uh, re- reduced staff and had less income coming in. So they have to be operating in a different way right at this very moment. But when things mm. open up again and the restrictions are loosened, they'll have to start operating their competitions again. So they have yeah. to rehire or get people back from home or whatever it is. So that's the opportunity to get in and do things in a different way. I don't know if I'm seeing any of those signs that are happening. Well, look, I don't either, and to be honest, but I, I trust that those conversations are going on because they will have to be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the state federations, the FFA, the clubs, both at A-League and MPL level, they're all bleeding at the moment financially. Uh, but with without, you know, games to occupy the mind every week of the, the year, this is a chance for them to get together and say, OK, you know, what is our long-term plan here? Because, you know, this clearly isn't working, either at national level, at A-League level, or at MTL level. So there needs to be a reboot of the game and to get everybody, you know, working on the same side. But um, historically, that has been, unfortunately, our Achilles heel. But, you know, hope springs eternal, and uh, mm. you never know. Maybe at the end of all this, we'll come out of it a stronger game. I mean, just, you know, just to throw... One or two things out, though. One of the things I'd like to see is definitely to have a second division. Even yes. if there's no promotion and relegation to start off with, let's get this national second division up and running and see if it can work. Um, I think that would help unify the game. Let, let's get the, you know, the code playing at exactly the same time of year, whether it be in winter or in summer. I don't care which. But the, the fact that we have a professional game that plays in summer and a, a semi-pro and amateur game that plays in the winter is a nonsense to me. Um, you know, the, the, the whole game needs to be uh, unified behind one common purpose. Um, and, and I hope that they're going to find that. Yes, agreed. So we still had plenty to talk about, Simon. No problems at all there. Oh, from a from a personal <laughs> perspective, I quite like the um, the break between summer and winter. I mean, the summertime I get to go watch the glory, and winter I get to follow the state league. That's so, how I get football well, year round. As a result, I know that's a purely selfish perspective I'm putting out yeah. there, but I, I, you know, it's a year round a uh, year round thing in that case for me. Well, I, look, I totally understand that. There's, there's certainly an argument for that. That's uh, you know, people have got football twelve months uh, of the year, but. Yeah. Again, I think if you're looking for a unified game, and certainly if you are going to start a national second division, yeah. then yeah. you know you, you can't have a second division playing in winter and an A League playing Ab- in summer. Absolutely, just, absolutely, it won't work. So, you know, at some point the, the sport has to uh, align, and I think you know really w- w- one of the important things we have to do as well is we have to stop existing in the other codes frameworks. Yes. We have to do what's right for football. Yes, yes. agreed. Um, you know, it, it, whatever they do is their own business. Yeah. Um, and and we, I keep hearing arguments that we're unique. Oh, this is Australia. It's different. And we have to, you know, understand the landscape. Well, we try to do that for goodness knows how many years. Where's it got us? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe it's time we just went our own way and constructed football along football lines for football people and in terms that football people understand um, and, and actually get back to it, you know, to basics with connecting with our core audience, which is football people. Agreed. Yep. Simon, it's been fantastic having a chat to you again. As always, appreciate your time. Thank you. 
Cheers, guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks, See Simon. See you next time. That was Simon Hill, Fox Sports, and Fox Sports um, lived up to their contract. Yes, they did. They, they paid yep. for the quarterly payment. They did. So it's uh, some great news overnight, That's you know, right. and the listing of the restrictions from government. And I have to say a big thank you from me personally to my world football team, which is uh, Pete, who's sitting here in the studio with me, Sean, Lou, Miranda, Derek, Don. You guys are fantastic. I appreciate through all this period. We've continued the show. We've talked football. You've come into the studio. We've done what we needed to do. We've stayed out of the studio when we've needed to. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you to the station. Uh, I love doing this show, so I appreciate that you guys help us continue doing it. Good on you. And everyone who listens in, we appreciate you listening in and all of our partners. Thank you very much. Next week, Sean's back in hosting. Good on you, Sean. Stay tuned for more football next week. Len and Bags Groove is up next. See you later, everyone. Thank you. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to what we saw right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle.